Welcome to The Verb with Heather Hallman, where each week she explores a different life-changing verb in the Bible to connect you with Jesus and a new way to live each day. With your host, Dr. Heather Hallman. Welcome back to The Verb with Heather Holloman. Um, we are today ending our series on what it means to be guarded by Christ. And the last thing I want to look at today is picturing yourself guarded by this idea of the crucified life. I know that's weird to think of, but it's a it's sort of this protection I put up every day against self-obsession and self-exaltation. So one of the ways when you think about the life of Christ inside of you, surrendering to the Holy Spirit every day, what it means to live a crucified life, I'll talk through my favorite life verse is Galatians 2.20. And it's where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I used to march around in the Michigan snow with my black snow boots on, freezing, and I would just recite that verse over and over again because I was just learning how to surrender to the Lord. And when I think of crucified life, I think of this. I think of giving the Lord the right to do anything he wants with my life, that I give him every part of me in the best way I know how, to completely surrender everything about me. And honestly, it brings so much joy to do that. I think that's what we were created to do. My husband always says before we begin our grad summer missions, he says, did you know that you were created to lay down your life? You were created to consecrate your life to the Lord. And it's so beautiful to think of this exciting new life you're going to live after you think of what it means to give everything to the Lord, which is what the Holy Spirit does in increasing measure, that our life is really about surrendering to him. This idea of surrender to the Lord, Major Ian Thomas wrote this, that when you live a crucified life, he says this, you'll actually be restored to your true humanity to be the human vehicle of the divine life. Can you imagine that your true humanity, what you're made for is to be the human vehicle of a divine life? I just love that. Now, of course, those C.S. Lewis fans, I know I have a lot of C.S. Lewis fans listening. I I remember reading this as a 22-year-old, and I underlined and wrote it in my journal. He says this, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. I love that because it is scary. It's this idea like, you know, I'm giving what I'm giving up my life. And it's hard when you read Matthew 16, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now, as a young woman, I thought, okay, following Jesus means you actually give up everything. It's this death to self. It's a takeover of your soul. You're giving up your right to direct your own life. And that's when I found Galatians 2.20. And I thought, who would ever do this? Who would ever willingly 
surrender like this? And I, I just began to really grapple with what is the scripture saying about where true life is found, where true freedom is found, and what would it mean for me to be hidden in Christ? That's Colossians 3, that, uh, that a Savior-focused life stays hidden in Christ. What would it mean for me to really believe the scriptures that that is where life is found? We're going to look at some passages that talk about life. The abundant life that you're waiting for, the life that you want, is the crucified life. And it's so amazing. So some years ago, at the height of my desire to make a name for myself, to live a glamorous life, and to continue in this pattern of narcissistic living, like really, I think I'm a recovered narcissist. My my therapist friends laugh that anyone would admit that. But I really do think I am a recovered narcissist. I mean, who isn't if you think about it? But Pastor Neil Anderson said this. He said, Satan's primary aim in the world Satan's primary aim is to promote self-interest as the chief end of man. Satan is called the prince of this world because self-interest rules the secular world. Until we deny ourselves that which was never meant to be ours, the the role of being God in our lives, we will never be at peace with ourselves or God, and we will never be free. And I just couldn't believe this idea of what, what does it mean? What did these words even mean? What does it mean to have this life that nobody had ever really explained to me before. You know, sometimes when I'm confused about things, I do look up Charles Spurgeon. He's one of my favorite, you know, old British preachers, just to see what he has to say about living this crucified life. And I love these comforting words. He says, it is a mystery, but it's quite expected and normative for the Christian life. He writes this, there are hundreds here on whom that strange transformation has passed so that they are no longer what they were. You cannot work this of yourself. No priest can affect it, but the Holy Spirit can produce it. He can complete it now. So great is his power, so divine. You know, Christ invites us to die to ourselves, to live a different life, to become alive for the first time. It's sort of that idea, you know, I know pastors use this all the time. It's kind of cliche, maybe overused, but I do love, you know, in the Velveteen Rabbit, when that that moment where the blue fairy, or not the blue fairy, but the, um, the skin horse tells the Velveteen Rabbit, once you're real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts for always. Actually, that's sort of like the blue fairy in Pinocchio. I was confusing my stories, but You know, he says, little puppet made of pine, awake, the gift of life is thine. And I just began to think, what is this life? What is this? Um, And I really discovered that when you look through the scriptures, you can underline that word life over and over again. And it's this idea that in Christ, we have a new life. We take hold of the life that is truly life. Jesus says, you refuse to come to me and have life. He says you have no life in you without him. John, in in the book of John, you'll read three, four, five times, I have come that you may have life. You cannot escape this concept that it is through himself that Jesus is offering life. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul is teaching the young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.19. He says this beautiful line, may you take hold of the life that is truly life. You were created for a life 
that is laid down, that is crucified. You know, this concept of living a new spiritual life is not complex and disorderly, highly therapeutic, or based on some inaccessible neuroscience. No, the Bible matter-of-factly proclaims God has given us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. That's 1 John 5, 11 through 12. And Jesus' great prayer just includes this in John 17. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, as I think about living a crucified life, I think, God, you are worthy. You are worth surrendering any dream I have of my own life, any life I may design or imagine for myself, that you are worth it. And so today, if you think about what it means to lay down your life, think to yourself, I want to live a crucified life because Jesus is the path to abundant life. Join me next week where we begin a new favorite verb, and that is straight from Ephesians, the verb included, that you are included in Christ. And I'm going to talk about moving from loneliness to belonging. I cannot wait to be together. Thank you for listening to The Verb with Heather Holloman. If you'd like to stay connected, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And remember, new episodes every Friday. This episode was brought to you by my friends at Moody Publishers. I have loved publishing my books with Moody because they donate every dollar of profit to the Moody Bible Institute. So when you purchase my book, you help train the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about my books with Moody Publishers at heatherholloman.com.